Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sunday Seminar. Uh, my name is Karina Ramirez, and it's a pleasure to have you here. I'm connecting to you from West Palm Beach, Florida, the traditional lands of the Seminole Taino and Tequesta people. My pronouns are she, her, ella. Amazing. And I'm excited to introduce myself all to you. I'm Danielle White. I'm currently a student at George Washington University and the Chapter Development and Caring for Citizens Climate Lobby. And I'm calling in live from on campus at George Washington University in Washington, D.C. So if you've attended any of our uh, former presentations that deal with diversity and inclusion, you know that we always have a moment of silence. So we will do that at this time. And as usual, we usually do observe. Um, we wanted to just send everyone a just happy holidays on behalf of all of our communities here at CCL. Uh, yesterday was the International Day of People with Disabilities. And uh, these two days that you see on your screen are days that deal with the United Nations celebrations or, or observances. Um, International Migrant Day will take place on December 18th, and that is normally uh, a day to focus on the voluntary and the forced movements of, as a result of increased um, disasters and economic challenges and extreme poverty or conflict that many communities are facing. All right, so I am very excited to get everything started with you all. So to officially welcome you all into this space, this is community building and retention of volunteers, creating your toolkit to cultivate a flourishing chapter environment. I want you all to know that I come to you in this presentation, not as a teacher, but as someone who wants to share wisdom with you, just so you all can share wisdom with me and one another. So there will be three main points today. First, conducting equitable outreach. We'll talk about the how-tos. Second, how to foster healthy and inclusive chapter environments. What steps do you need to take? And last but not least, cultivating chapter requirements and chapter cultures that retain. So with steps one and two, we have step three, and we'll come to learn that this is a cycle, a cycle of action, the cycle of togetherness that will create the chapter cultures that we seek and strive for. So in addition to our goals for today, I wanna share with you our learning outcomes. First, you'll learn the effective tools for connection. Second, you'll learn ideas to implement and Last but not least, a sense of community across chapters. Wherever you're calling in from today, you'll be able to feel connected to the other members that are present on this call because we're sharing that goal of wanting to create healthier, inclusive chapter cultures. So to get us started, we'll begin with some baseline definitions. You may all have how you define these terms in your minds, and feel free to share that in the chat if you'd like, but I'll run through some baseline definitions. So when I refer to these words throughout the presentation, you know what I'm talking about. So first, we have outreach. Outreach is the basic form of reaching out to someone to say, hey, are you interested in our chapter, becoming a member perhaps? So outreach is that original aspect of reaching out. So outreach is in the bare minimum, that initial interaction, that initial connection. Next, we move on to onboarding. Onboarding is after we hear that first response to our question. So after we say, hey, Danielle, are you interested in becoming a part of our chapter? Once I say yes, we begin the onboarding process. So onboarding is showing what are those outlets for personal success within your chapter? What makes me want to become a part of your chapter and make me feel like I can flourish in the space? So how do we get connected to the other chapter members? When I'm onboarded, I'm not only onboarded by the first person I meet, but I also am onboarded by everybody else in the chapter and how they interact with me as well. So those are those first initial steps to making someone feel welcomed 
in the chapter. And next, we move on to retention. When onboarding is done right, we retain. Folks feel so seen that they wanna stick around. They wanna keep showing up to your chapter meetings and events. They feel heard. They feel as though they have a place in the chapter. And then they're able to conduct outreach themselves as well. Because when I was retained, I was so in love with CCL that I could not shut up about it. I couldn't help but turn to my peers and say, I'm part of this space where I feel seen, heard, and valued. You should join me in this space as well. So when we conduct outreach and onboarding in a fashion that really speaks to the dignity of the person we want to connect with, they do the rest for us. They begin to work within the cycle to create a bigger, better chapter because of how you built the frameworks. So as we move forward, we're going to move into this diversity, equity, and inclusion analogy. DEI stands for diversity, equity, and inclusion, and I'll do a breakdown. So I love a good analogy, and if there's any point where you might have a question, again, feel free to place it in the chat. So diversity. We're asking the question of who is in the space. I invited you all to my dinner party. We're seated at this table, and now I'm asking the question, before I even send out that invocation, who is in the space? Who came to this dinner party? Who is in the space? And this means this can look like a variation of identities, lived, and learned experiences. Next, we're moving over to equity. Again, in the analogy of a dinner party, we're asking the question, is everyone being served to meet their needs? I'm a vegetarian. At my dinner party, I should have vegetarian options, but I should also have options for folks who aren't vegetarian like I am. I should have gluten-free options for the folks who can't have gluten. Again, within that analogy, it's again, making sure people are able to fill themselves, feel nourished in that space. So again, we're asking the question of, is everyone being served to meet their needs, whatever their needs may be? And next, we're moving over to inclusion. Is this dinner party accessible? We're thinking about the invitations, the times, the dates. Did I write these invitations in multiple languages so as many people could come as possible? Is the time respectful of folks who have work schedules, school schedules? Is the date respect respectful? Perhaps it might fall on a religious holiday for a different belief set than mine, but that doesn't mean that I should hold it at that date. What does it look like to find other ways to make sure folks are included? Again, we want a holistic reflection on our actions so that we can make sure that we're creating spaces where folks feel as though they belong. Feeling as though one belongs is key, a crucial aspect of inclusion. So overall, we're reflecting on the question of does everyone have a seat? Now we're moving on to the UN outreach, but to close out the idea of the DEI analogy, I wanna share a quote with you all. It says <clears throat> by Shirley Chrisholm, if you don't have a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. One of my favorite quotes, because it speaks so directly to the lived experiences of so many individuals with diverse identities. So often we feel as though we have to make a space for ourselves because that space is not provided. Your chapter should be a space where the space is already cut out. Folks do not feel as though they're interjecting because they were already included in the space. So we can begin to feel that sense of inclusion where we no longer ask folks to bring their own chairs when we speak to the you in outreach. So here we're talking about cross-cultural engagement. So first and foremost, on that slide period previous, if we can just go right back, we're gonna speak to the who, what, where, when, why, and how. So welcome to my English class where we break down cross-cultural engagement with those seven key questions. Our first question is who? Who are we trying to reach? What communities are we looking to reach out to? If we're able to put a label on what communities we wanna connect with, we're better able to make those connections. So this can look like a conversation within your chapter of thinking, what does our chapter need? Again, asking that first question as it relates to diversity. Do we want more students? Do we want more people of color? What do we want? Who? 
Now we move over to the what. What methods are we using to engage with these populations? What methods are we using to engage with these populations? Again, this is directly connected to the who, because we want to utilize methods that speak directly to the population and are most accessible to them. If I want to reach students, I should be going into spaces where I'll find students. Maybe this looks like hosting an event at a local middle or high school. Then we move over to the when. How often are we engaging cross-culturally? How often are we taking that moment to sit down, reflect, and say, what does my chapter demographics look like? Okay, do they look like something that we are proud of? Is this what we want our chapter to look like? If you answer no to that question, now we're asking that, thinking those thoughts of how often can we connect with our community? Again, connecting to the what and the who. So we move over to the where. Where are we conducting outreach? I mentioned this just a moment ago, but if we want to connect with high school populations, we should be in high schools. If we want to connect with multicultural communities, we should be at multicultural events. Our tabling events should be in spaces and communities where we'll connect with the identity that we're looking to bring into our chapter. Next, we move over to the why. Why are we reaching out? Our why really connects us with a mission. It really grounds us. And we'll reconnect with our why a little bit later in the presentation. But when we think about our why, our why are we reaching out? That also equips us to be able to answer that question if we were asked by the populations we're reaching out to. If I connect with a high school student and they say, why do y'all want high school students? If I know my why, I'm able to answer that question with ease. I wanna connect with youth because I believe youth voices matter. So again, when we have our why, we're making ourselves more equipped to connect with those populations as well. And then we have our how. How can we work with you? Not how can you work with us? They may ask that question and you, you can have an answer as well. But that initial question of how can we work with you? What does it look like to connect with these diverse populations in a way that honors their skills and their talents. So this is a cycle as well. Same with when I presented outreach, onboarding and retention, this is a cycle as well. We should be asking these questions as much as possible in order to create a cross-culturally engaged chapter environment. So now we're gonna break down just some definitions of the word welcome and nurture. So we've conducted our cross-cultural outreach, but there's still much more to do. Our welcoming is our start point. So welcome as defined by Miriam Webster is to greet hospitably with courtesy or cordiality, to accept with pleasure the occurrence or presence of. And again, both of these words are verbs speaking to the action aspect of them. Then we move on to nurture, a verb as well, to supply with nourishment, or zoning in on definition three, to further the development of. We want our chapters to be spaces where folks come in, and by the time that they are one year in, two year in, six months in, six weeks in, they already feel as though they are growing, in this case, as climate advocates. So, Welcoming is the beginning, but we want to shift to where we are nurturing, nurturing the people in our chapters. So with this, we are going to, I want you, before we interact with these questions, to picture this. I am going to welcome you into a brand new room. I'm going to open the door and I'll welcome you in. However, there's nothing in this room. It's completely blank. Well, I've welcomed you, so my job is done. If we're thinking in the logic of welcoming being all we have to do, in this case of this analogy, you'd be stuck in a blank, empty room. But if I nurture you, now I'm speaking to your dignity and your needs. So in the case of this blank room, I might ask you, what do you want this room to look like? Do you want a couch there, a lamp here, a beautiful rug, maybe some art hanging from the walls? What do you want this room to look like? And how can I support you in getting it to look like that? So again, welcoming is our baseline. 
I can welcome you into a blank room or I can nurture you in a room that makes you feel like you belong there, you're included, you're respected, you're valued. So I'd like you all to think of nurturing in a dinner party setting. Again, that's connected to the ideas of what does it mean to sit at that table and have everything you need? So I'll return to that in a moment, but for now, I'd like you all to reflect on your current practices. So take a moment to think about the question of how are we currently nurturing newcomers? So I'd like you to put your response to this question after you've had a moment to think in the chat, and then I'll read a few aloud, discuss, connect with them, and then we'll see what wisdom we can find. So take a moment to think, how are we currently nurturing newcomers? Thank you, Erica. Erica shared, I offer to meet one-on-one -on -one with every new member. Some take them up on it. Ellie Sparks shares, we offer the informational session on Wednesday evenings, very interactive and informative. Again, so as folks continue to chime in, we have Ron sharing a welcome email that includes an offer for a one-on-one, -on -one, for a 20-minute phone chat. Bob shares, they invite to a table with us, a one-on-one -on -one Zoom session, greet with a dance party, <laughs> like the reception one, incredible, lively, so thank you all for those who have shared so far. Again, we're going to take some more time on this slide, so feel free to get your responses in to reflect. And so far, we're hearing a lot of amazing stuff, those interpersonal connections, those deep one-on-ones, those chances to really get to learn what that person wants to do within your chapter. Are they a creative? Do they want to create presentations? Do they want to present? Do they want to lead in some space? Jeffrey shares connecting to areas that they are passionate about. We have a Wednesday, we have a potluck on Sundays. Delicious. Again, a potluck is a really great example in this sense of let people bring themselves and then together you have a beautiful mosaic of a meal in that sense and chapter members in another. Jim shares personal invitations to chapter meetings. Again, saying, come to this space, we want you. I'm sure we've all had experiences where a friend invites us to come with them somewhere and we feel even more connected and invited as opposed to feeling as though you're inviting yourself. Ali shares, this is where our chapter needs to work harder. We do a decent job of onboarding, one-on-one -on -one conversation, but we need to continue to connect for longer and help people really find their place to be active. Well, thank you for sharing so vulnerably about that, Ellie. This is your space to really learn those tools for what you can do to really, as you said, as you put it, work harder in that area. Andrea said, we offer phone slash in-person meetups with one of our team members. Felicia says, concurrent texts and emails, welcoming, asking for a time to personally speak to get to know them, follow up with three days to non-responders or scheduled appointment time to speak preferably when the person can log on to the community page. We also do personal invitations to meetings Ellie is following up on and they say that's not enough. William shares, ask them to become a part of a team within the chapter. Shreira says, and correct me if I pronounced your name wrong, we recognize people when they have taken initiative for the chapter and we welcome new ideas. Alrighty, we'll pause here after these last two. Marak says, Personal phone calls after they sign up online to join our chapter. In that conversation, we find out their interests, their backgrounds, why they have joined. Then Zoom session with them or several of their fellow new members. Then we welcome them at their first meeting and follow up. We need to broaden our outreach. And then Andrea says, we always had potlucks at in-person meetings. Most of our members say they want to meet on Zoom now, but then we have a low turnout. Help, we are doing an in-person meeting or social every three to four months though. Thank you for bringing up that point. Please put that in the Q&A section a little later and we'll give you, I'll happily give you some direct help on that low turnout. And last but not least, we have a question from Jude that I will connect to later on during the Q&A section. So thank you all for 
sharing with me. Some of you shared the areas that you want to grow in, the areas that you want to continue to approve upon, the ones that you want to strengthen and the ones that you feel like you're doing successfully. Thank you all for sharing. I hope from what I read out, folks feel as though they heard some things that maybe they'd want to adopt as well. Again, this is a circular learning community. So I want you all to reflect on, again, in the chat, how did that activity feel? Did you learn anything new that you'd like to implement? So again, you can feel free to place your response to this question in the chat, or you can reflect on it personally. But I want you all to pick up on the fact that in the previous slide, the image was a seed. And now we have a nice big blossomed tree in front of us. When we're able to nurture our chapter members, they're able to bloom, they're able to thrive and be at their best. So let's see if we have any reflections in the chat, but if not, we will connect. Ellie says more potlucks. Again, Marat is thanking folks for their ideas. Using Ashris. Again, correct me if I'm pronouncing your name wrong, said, it felt wonderful. I learned of new ways to be welcoming the community, to welcome in diverse communities. Amazing. So we're going to continue on. And I'm glad to hear that folks are feeling inspired, common activities, common challenges. Amazing. Alrighty. So let's head over to the next slide. And here's your pop quiz. I'm really embodying that English teacher energy today with my questions and now moving into this pop quiz. So onboarding and retention. We are asking these guiding questions for culture building. So first question on your pop quiz. Are our chapter's values clear amongst new and long-time members? Are our chapter's values clear amongst new and long-time members? Next question. What support systems are in place? If there are none, are there any initiatives in the works? What support systems are in place? If none, are there any initiatives in the works? And last but not least, do all members feel empowered to share their voice? If you're able to answer the first two questions, the answer to the third is likely a yes. But if you're struggling to answer the first two questions, again, this is where we can speak to some concrete tools that I'll share a little bit later on. But again, this is when we can begin to think and brainstorm. This space, this idea, this concept of laying the foundations to create a healthier, inclusive chapter is innovative. So again, we wanna be thinking outside of the box of what does it look like to make sure our chapter values are clear? What tangible action items can be done to make it so? What support systems can we build? What standards can we create? Again, I want you all to feel as though you're able to tap into your innovation, your creativity, when it comes to really connecting with the populations that you seek to connect with. So I am thinking of our room analogy one more time. So within our room, again, we furnished it. It looks lovely. You're happy with it. But we have a moment where perhaps there's a leak or one of the windows in there is a bit drafty. When we ask these questions, again, let's stay on the previous slide for just one more second. But when we ask these questions, we should be thinking of our support systems. So directly connected to that second question of support systems, if there's a drafty window, a leak in the room we've created, what does it look like to empower folks to feel as though they can speak up, to say, I really need help fixing this leak, fixing this drafty window. And again, outside of that analogy in the context of your chapter, that might look like, hey, I really enjoyed this presentation we gave. Can we give it again? Or I didn't particularly like that presentation. Is there any way we can think of new ideas so 
we can have presentations where everyone enjoys. Again, we want to empower folks to feel as though they can advocate for themselves in the spaces of your chapter. So remembering that retention is a daily practice, a daily drumbeat of small actions can create large impact. We don't have to completely reform our chapters in a day, but when we take the steps day by day, we can create something new in no time, especially when all hands are on deck. So now we can proceed to the next slide, where we can speak about DEI in the chapter context. So I gave you DEI in the setting of my dinner party, but let's really speak to it first and foremost directly within our chapter. So diversity, what identities and experiences are present among my chapter members? Experiences perhaps in regards to their passions, their life stories, who they are that has formed them. So what identities and experiences are present in my chapter members? Sometimes this is something that we can respond to by seeing, but other times this is again created through constructive conversation. So this can include identities such as BIPOC folk, or it can include a wide range of lived experiences. Next, we can speak to equity. Are there resources, support systems, or tools for each chapter member to bring their fullest self? Again, we shouldn't be fearing imperfection. Our chapters are allowed to make mistakes. That is totally a-okay. And what matters is how we respond when those mistakes are made. Again, we're not striving for perfection. We're striving for consistently acknowledging our imperfection to know that we can have bad days and we can also be better the next day to then in the future mitigate our frequency of bad days. So again, within this question, we're thinking to what I just mentioned about the room. When things pop up in our chapter, good or bad, your folks feel empowered to speak, to say, this bothered me, or I loved this, and flesh out those conversations. And you, the persons in leadership in our chapter, feel well equipped to listen. And then we move over to inclusion. Is my chapter environment enabling all members to flourish? Are my chapter, is my chapter environment enabling all members to flourish? Is everyone feeling as though they can thrive in the space? And again, this is where we go back to nurturing. We can go all the way back to the dinner party analogy, whatever it looks like. Does everyone have what they need to flourish? And then when we connect it back to equity, and can they ask for it when maybe they don't feel as though they have it or when they want more of it? Maybe they want seconds at your dinner party. So now we can speak a bit more to the concrete chapter development resources that I wanna share with you all, that I want you all to envision, to think about and work with. So here's the format for this slide. I'll share about the ideas to implement, then I'll open the floor for folks to talk and discuss and think about what might it look like to implement these ideas, any questions directly about these ideas, and then we'll continue on, wrap up, and then open the space for some more profound dialogue. So our first question is the ideas to implement. First, my first suggestion is internal diversity, equity, and inclusion trainings for group members. So we want all our group members, all our chapter leadership members to be on the same page when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion. I didn't directly link any resources to this point. However, you can find the resources that work best for you by taking a search throughout the interwebs to find what works with your chapter. And you can speak with your chapter members directly to say, what do folks need more knowledge on? Again, when we're able to create healthy environments, we're able to open the floor for folks to say, I don't know. I feel as though I'm starting from scratch and say, that's okay. We're here to build you up so that we can build together. So internal DEI trainings are a great way for you to facilitate a baseline. And this can look like conversations, dialogues, calling in outside support systems to teach, to educate, 
or it can look like reading a book together, like chapter book read, where y'all go through, comb through, share quotes and inspirations for what you found. There are a wealth of resources and you know your chapter best for what your chapter would need. Next, we can speak to a chapter diversity, equity, and inclusion statement. Chapter diversity, equity, and inclusion statements are, again, great tools to establish that baseline. It means saying these are the values of our chapter. This is what our chapter cares about. And when our chapter isn't living up to our values, here's what we do. Here's how we take accountability to learn and grow and continue to be better. DEI statements mean a lot to me because when I, as an individual with marginalized identities, look for a new opportunity to take part in, a new club to, or organization to join, I want to know what values I'm joining into. What does this chapter say they value? So if something isn't meeting my needs, I can point to that DEI statement and say, we made a promise to adhere to these values. I don't feel like they're being adhered to. How can we work together to make sure that we are living in our values, living, working, and volunteering, and lobbying in our values? So our chapter DEI statement is a great upfront tool. We can also think about how this can be used to positively impact our outreach. When we're in our outreach spaces, when we think of that why question, if we have a DEI statement, we can also present this where why do I want to connect with high school students, BIPOC students, because we value their voices. And look, we have it written here. It is truth. It is what we believe and what we are living in by doing and conducting this outreach in the first place. And there's also an opportunity to say, how would you like us to write your lived experience into this DEI statement? So again, these can be crowdsourced. This can be something where maybe every month at your chapter meeting, every other month, every two months, you all sit down, save 10 minutes at the end and say, this is our DEI statement. Are we living in these values? How are we doing? And then we can have a constructive dynamic dialogue as well. And last but not least, we have action teams. We can also direct diverse individuals if they are interested to connect with some of the affinity spaces that are present within CCL already. Again, our chapters can't be perfect. We can't always have the most diverse chapters, but we can have knowledge for how to correct, connect diverse individuals to other diverse spaces if that is something that they like. So making sure that new chapter members know that that is an opportunity on the table is incredible, whether it's the Latina action team that they like, Latin American action team that they like to be a part of, or if it's the Christian action team, whatever it is, CCL has hundreds of action teams that you can connect folks to if they feel as though that they like more affinity. So that is also an option that you can share with your chapter members. So with all that said, I'd like folks to, again, turn to the chat and we'll just speak a little bit to some of these suggested ideas to implement. What are folks thinking? Which of these might be jumping out? Again, these aren't either ors. It's not like you have to pick one or the other. They can be both ands. So which ones are you feeling most interested in? Which ones spark your curiosity? Which ones would you like to hear me speak more to? So again, I'll take a moment for folks to think and then get to typing on feedback. What do y'all think about these ideas that I presented for possibly implementing into your chapters? So I see folks are rolling in and let's see. William says the DEI statement. Mark says we'll have our chapter come up with a value statement. Amazing. Erica says, I like the idea of developing a DEI statement for our chapter and revisiting it often with members. Folks are looking for some examples. Again, we'll get to that in our Q&A. Ron says a shared book reading and or movie view watch party. Amazing. Ellie says, I'll talk to our group leader and steering committee about a value statement. Jeffrey says diversity statement and training. We did it once, but to a limited audience. We have sample. 
Amazing. Julie says, I like the GEI statement and sharing it and chapter values at each meeting. Lisa is very intrigued by the idea of writing down values and regularly checking in with the whole team on how well we're meeting them. It reminds them of the kind of tactics that are effective in the workplace to keep the team moving in the direction it wants to. Bob says, be sure to invite folks to different chapter meetings and national action teams in each meeting. Amazing. Okay, I'll read these last two and then I'll pass it over to Karina. So we have DI statements needed for us in training at a monthly meeting, book reading, good idea. And then they will bring it up at their upcoming luncheon. The chapter they are a part of is improving and diversity has been slow. And last but not least, the introduction to action teams can help attach people to who care about climate, but may not feel connected with group members. Thank you, Daniel. So thank you all for sharing that time with me. I'll pass it over to Karina and then Karina and I will together comb through your questions and get you the answers you need so you can take the actions that you want to take to create that healthy, diverse, equitable, inclusive environment in your chapter. Thank you so much, Danielle. I love what I've been seeing in the chat. Uh, and I think it's going to take us really well into the next part of this presentation. So I wanted to discuss as we are thinking about what we should do in our chapters. You know, should we have uh, chapter DEI statements? Um, what do we talk to people to make them feel more welcome and engaged? I wanted to get into a brief of a discussion on meeting people where they are. That comment question as a question comes up often as we do this diversity and inclusion work. Uh, the purpose of this is your chapter to represent the community around you, right? As Danielle has been saying, we want to create the chapter that we would like to see. So what does that look like? So before we play this video, I wanted to talk about the concept of community building. We've talked about that a lot in the last couple of years at CCL. Um, to give you a little bit of content, this video, Pryra Sirkar, uh, the then the director of ours at the Knight Foundation, discussed community engagement in service of a more equitable future with Joy Bailey Bryant. She was vice president and managing director at the Lord Cultural Resources, which is a cultural planning firm. For more content, this interview was about the arts, but this conversation can be applied to building community in our climate organization. And also for more content, this interview was conducted during the pandemic in 2020. It is a long interview and I only took three minutes and 45 seconds of it. Real community engagement starts a conversation, right? It doesn't, the, the, the um, and, and that conversation, honestly, sometimes is the deliverable, right? So, um, and that's an important, important piece to understand because um, as opposed to that model that I, that I cited where you were trying to get a rubber stamp on a plan that was, and, and now we are ending the process. Um, if we're talking about real community engagement, we're allowing um, people to, to start this conversation that's going to allow them to have kind of a spectrum um, of, of, of entry, I think. Um, the first is kind of a basic piece, right? Um, and this is uh, best practices in your thinking of how to engage a, a process, a, a community engagement process. The, the best, the start um, is a basic need that people have to have to be heard. Um, you know, when we talk about a lot of these fraught topics, I started um, really working with projects in, uh, for instance, the Albany Civil Rights Institute in Albany, Georgia. That is in Southwest Georgia. And um, when I started to work with that group um, in, the, in the early and late, early 2000s, um, at that point in time, many of those, those people had um, never been able to tell the stories and experiences that they had had in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s, uh, you know, leading up to the civil rights era in the midst of the civil rights era. And these were elders and people who just wanted to be heard. And they just wanted to get their point out. And as long as they were able to be heard, that was actually enough. Mm -hmm. And um, that is, that's one thing because they had, yes, they had stories to tell and we wanted to capture those, but there was also a significant amount of anger that they themselves needed to let go of. And as a part of that, 
being heard was, was truly important. So the first point I would say is allowing people to be heard. We, you know, we have a need to control the conversation. Sometimes it's okay if you just allow people to be heard. You know, you hold that microphone, but you let people get it out. That's the first, that's the first thing. Be comfortable with that. Be comfort in that discomfort. The second group of people is the kind that most of us are comfortable with. Those are the people who are coming to hear the conversation. They're coming to share a little bit. They're coming to be informed. You know, they're the people who are, um, you know, as I said, we're the, we're, they're the ones that we're most comfortable with because they're, gonna, they're going to participate a little bit, but they're not the people who are, you know, just like steeped in the whole situation, right? Um, so those are the middle ground people. Um, and the, the third, the most involved, I would definitely say, are the people that you're looking and, and organizations and groups that you're really looking to form that shared vision with. And that's where you want to get to that space of, um, and, and they are looking for a shared vision. And you're going to be going, coming back and forth and really moving forward in, in an um, engaged, ongoing conversation that begins, continues, does not have an end and continues beyond, um, you know, whatever it is that you 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 want to see um, happen. So, in in the best practices, I think it's really understanding that spectrum, respecting that spectrum, and appreciating that spectrum. So, continuing on, as we are, we know that we're throwing a lot of questions for you to consider. But this is sort of our daily here when we're talking about diversity and inclusion. So, continuing on with inclusive engagement. Um, what, what can that, what can that look like? What can you do? So as you know, I am a friend to the census. I love the census. The census can allow you to look at your community to see who's there. Um, and it definitely like allows you to pinpoint certain segments of your city, of your state where you wish to engage, but that requires to do some research. Um, engage with groups in your community that you wish to serve. That is something that we have said often. Be of service to others. I am sure that there are different communities um, that deal with a variety of topics that you can engage in as a CCLer. As you design your process of engagement, think of the accessibility to these different communities. Think of the ages of these communities, uh, the political inclinations, anything that you can think of. These are the kind of members I personally have in my chapter. I would love to have these kind of members in the future as I am looking at how to make my chapter more representative of the community if you wish to see. And, you know, that again, that's going to take a little bit of time. Consider the broad spectrum of voices in your community as well. If you don't have the members represented in your chapter, ask yourself why. That is a very important question. So also about the perspectives of meeting people where they are. For example, this can be two different concepts. At CCL, meeting people where you are can mean meeting them at a CCL event, physically or virtually. Uh, it can be someone joining a chapter or attending a lobby meeting or joining an action team, right? Those are very concrete things, very CCL things that we do here. For others, it could mean attending a town hall meeting to see what is happening in your community. Some of us do that. Some of us have yet to do that. So that could be one idea. Joining in an environmental justice causes. Not a lot of people can do that. There are some chapters that I am aware of that are presently connecting with folks that are specifically engaged with environmental justice causes, and not just those, but people that are engaged in conservative causes or any, any kind of community, again, that you wish to know more about. Being active in anti-racist causes, that is something big that we love to promote here in the inclusion department. Again, that takes a different kind of person to want to engage in those. Not everyone is ready to engage in anti-racist causes. Having childcare available so families can attend events. You'd be surprised. I used to volunteer a long time ago for uh, the PTA and having childcare made a huge difference in being able to provide a service and the fact that I spoke Spanish also helped because for a while, the folks at the PTA were like, you know, not all moms are coming, they're not coming to the meetings. And I'm like, well, are you offering them an opportunity to have this meeting in Spanish? And are you offering 
childcare. I mean, that made a world of difference when we made both of those options available. I love Brittany Janae's definition of meeting people where they are and her concept of it. She says, meeting people where they are means meeting people within their intersections of power and oppression, unraveling the impact of internalized dominance and injected oppression in compassionate, loving ways. She also said, meeting people where they are means honoring the people, the human, recognizing that people are a sum of their experiences and identities, life happenings and trauma. Meeting people where they are means meeting people at their intellectual learning edge and creating containers, transformative community for embodying their work. There is a difference between having an intellectual understanding of the work and embodying the work, where largely been situated in the former. Meeting people where they are means meeting people's mind, body, and spirit. Part of my personal practice has been remembering and centering my spiritual self. Meeting people where they are, meeting people where I too have been and I am engaging in my own work as a learner, leader, and human. So let's talk a bit about the DNI statement that you could consider if you're thinking of writing one for your chapter. Here are some questions for you to think about. What does diversity, equity, and inclusion mean to you? What does accessibility and justice mean to you? What does belonging mean to you in that regard? How do you prioritize and value diversity, equity, and inclusion at your chapter? In what ways are diversity and inclusion apparent in your work? That could be personal or as a chapter as a whole. How have you shown commitment to DNI? Again, personally and with your entity, with your chapter. How do you envision this commitment will develop in the future, right? As you are thinking and drafting of, this is what I would like my chapter to be. These are some great questions. Um, the source that you have there at the University of Texas, uh, great, provided wonderful examples of what a DNI statement can look like. And here too, I wanted to show you just for just for overall knowledge. I, I saw these and the first thing that stood out to me as you see them, they both use the word beliefs. And, and I found that very interesting. Like this organization believes X, Y, Z, right? For Campfire, they said Campfire believes in the dignity and the intrinsic worth of every human being. That is powerful. That is welcoming. That is, I want to learn more about that. NRDC believes in an environment, environmental movement that at its core seeks justice. That is so incredibly clear for them. I would love to be been in that chair had they were drafting what they thought their DNI statement could look like. For all organizations, this is different. Um, I also want to, to caution you, right? Um, often I am asked to say, well, what are the steps for us to become more diverse and more inclusive? That varies. That varies by person, that varies by chapter, that varies by region, right? You have to take it upon yourself um, and make that commitment that if your focus is to work on diversity, equity, and inclusion, then you will do that and your word matters in this work just as everything else that has mattered in the work that we have done with CCL, right? So where to find the needed trainings? I am big on building the DNI competency across all chapters and all individuals in it. Again, this requires a lot of personal stuff. So I have put three links here. Uh, you will get this presentation after we're done. So. Don't worry about writing these down. Equity in the Center, uh, I have found, um, provides an incredible amount of trainings and sessions. They have training that are specific for members of, uh, that are BIPOC, and they have training that are specific for people that self-identify as white. Um, some of those are free, some of those you have to pay. Uh, and I have been to either or. Uh, I cannot tell you about the white affinity states because I don't, uh, self-identify as white, but ha I have gone to their BIPOC training and those trainings keep me motivated and inspired to continue to do this work. So I highly recommend them. LinkedIn Learning 
has training for free, like for a month. And they have 84 of them that deal particularly with diversity and inclusion. Um, you can take some for free. Um, imagine how many of them. I think I took the um, microaggression training um, and it works well. And after you're done with the training, it actually shows up on your LinkedIn profile. So it's kind of a, a neat program that they have put out there for people that are interested in learning more and building their competency. We also have diversity and inclusion at CCL community. Uh, this is something that we worked on for the last two years. I will be updating it with the new team that is coming in. Um, Cause you know, my department uh, works with fellows every year. So we have a new group of fellows that will be starting in 2023. And we will look at everything that we have offered at the DNI community page and see what needs to get changed and what needs to get updated. The other training that I want to invite you to visit if you haven't, or revisit if you have, is the 2020 uh, Beyond Diversity, Fostering Inclusion and Belonging at CCL. Um, this particular presentation or session has been about talking about diversity and belonging and inclusion. This presentation in essence talks about our organization and where we were in 2020. That will give you a little bit more background if you're interested in learning more. And this program by the wonderful Dr. Barbara Love, one of our board members, um, was hosted in September, 2021. It was a presentation that dealt with how to create inclusive spaces. And it was absolutely fantastic to listen from her, her point of view of, if you want to engage with the global majority, um, here are the steps that you should consider before you do. And that is it. I am so glad that you're here and we are excited to be able to take uh, your questions. Thank you for listening to this episode of Citizens Climate Lobby's training program. You can tune into more episodes anywhere podcasts are available. Inspired by what you heard today? Join Citizens Climate Lobby to advocate for bipartisan climate solutions. Go to community.citizensclimate.org to find more trainings, resources, your local chapter, national action teams, discussion forums, and more. Be sure to like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Citizens Climate. We also invite all of our listeners to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more inspiration. Like what you hear? Recommend us to your friends and make sure to give us a five-star rating. It helps us show up on other listeners' feeds. Feel free to pass on any suggestions for future episodes in the comments as well. And together, we are creating the political will for a livable world.